Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. And the Lord be with you all. And um, just before I came in to talk to you tonight, I read through many of the emails from you that have come in the last few hours. And could I just say one massive thank you? Um, They really touched me. And um, I I suppose I was a little amazed at how these hours together are challenging you, but also literally transforming your lives. Thank you for telling me. That means so much. And I As I said before, I'm unable to answer all of them. Um, That would be a whole ministry by itself. Uh, But I do say to every one of you, thank you. Thank you for sharing what this means to you. And also to one or two of you that suggested that we record these for public use. Um, We do. We have... I don't know, I was about to say more CDs and MP3s on the web than maybe anybody else. That might be an overstatement, but um, we have been recording um, pretty well everything I've ever said since 1968. And um, not all of it is presently in print, but... um, We have a vast number of series on CDs for sale, and also uh, many of those are MP3s. And so use them. Go to our website. Okay, I want to continue to look at um, that phrase that has been arresting me for the last weeks, uh, the phrase that we took uh, from Isaiah chapter 8, Uh, that we are signs and we are wonders, and and we are signs and wonders in Christ and through Christ, and and yet it keeps coming back. There's um, something yet to be said. And so let's read a familiar passage to many of you, and I'm going to read the whole passage from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, and in verse 25. Um. The fact we've heard this before can take the edge off it. Uh, Don't let the edge be off. These are radical words. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what will you put on? That, That expression, do not worry, uh, in, in other translations, it's be anxious for nothing. And the most ancient translation uh, for in the old King James is take no thought. Take no thought. That, that has a tremendous punch to it. Take no thought. That don't waste your mental energy on what you'll eat, drink, or what you're going to put on, where you're going to live. Is not life more than food? Is not your body more than clothing? Look at the beds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? Which of you, by worrying, by anxiety, by Wasting hours of thought about it can add one cubit to his stature. Um, a cubit is about nine inches. So, so he is saying, if you're going to worry about your height, you could worry for 20 weeks. Could you add nine inches to your, your stature? So why do you worry? Why do you anxiety? <laughs> 
about clothing. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Okay. Contained within those verses, I believe, is one of the great signs and wonders that we believers, in fact, are. You see, signs and wonders, that is, we display, we, you and I, believers, display the glory, the wonder of the love of God. Our lives are a monument to it. Or, or maybe better, we, we are a, a moving play that is taking place before the eyes of the world and, and without any fasts and without any religious announcements, we are quietly going about our life. And when they look at our life, we're a sign and a wonder. And we are a sign and a wonder in the very ordinary. It's, it's not that you become some super spiritual hero. It's not that you've gone off to the mission field. It's not that you're a pastor of a mega church, though well you might be, but in the ordinary, especially when no one's particularly looking at you to see what you're up to, in the ordinary, the very ordinary, I mean the, the getting up and taking a shower and having, having your porridge for breakfast, in the ordinary, or you might say the daily grind, in the kitchen, in the grocery store, in the office, the daily grind that's really and truly all about what shall we eat. Re really, really. I mean, if you boil it down to its, its bottom number, we go to work. In fact, prior to that, we go to school, we get a degree, we go to work, um, we get a house, and from there, it's, it's all about what are we going to eat? Where's the cash coming from to eat? Uh, what are we going to put on? Where are we going to get the money for clothes? Where are we going to live? Interesting, isn't it? See, there are two groups of people in this passage. I don't know if you notice them, but Jesus differentiates between these two companies of people. The first company are Gentiles. And the second company is, he simply says, you. And, and it's very familiar. If we really translated it, it would be something like you guys, um, you folks. It, it's, um, it's a friend speaking to friend. It's, it's a friend speaking to, shall I say it, in a circle. And, and so Gentiles and you guys... What, 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 what are Gentiles? I know that term is all over the pages of Scripture, but many people really don't know what it means. Gentiles. Essentially, the word Gentile to us would mean outsiders. They're outsiders. That is, they are ignorant, they're blind, they're in the dark concerning who God really is. That's, that's the bottom line issue. Who God really is. Um, you see, the original sin, if you're going to use that term, it's not in the Bible, but the, the, the first, that most ancient sin that uh, began the course of the human race to where it is today, that ancient sin... What, what is sin? Sin is taking into one's heart the wrong 
twisted, distorted concept of the character of God. Now, you didn't expect me to say that, did you? You thought I'd come up with uh, smoking and drinking and that sort of stuff. No, 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 no. Sin. The, the word sin means to miss the mark. It, it means to miss an original plan or blueprint or form. Miss it. And, and what have we missed? We, we have missed... And when I say missed, I don't mean just shooting an arrow at a target and falling short of it. I, I mean you, you, you've turned away from that target and you've set up your own. Uh, and, and now you, you've got this other. What was the target? And what's the false target that we've put up? The original target, if you want to use that idea, was that we should respond to and be enfolded in this God who is limitless love, who has given himself to us. That, that was the plan. That, that's why you were created out from love, for there was no necessity in God to create you or me or the universe. He was complete in himself. He created the universe and placed you and I within it in order to express his love purpose to have a creature that he would bestow his love upon and bring that creature into love relationship with him. It's all about love. And sin. Sin is setting up another goal, another target Something else to move toward. Uh, another God. A God totally other, different, twisted, distorted, but also subtle because using many times the very same terms that are used of the true God. But this God is condemning, judging, rejecting. Um, a nasty, nasty God. A and um, has many faces, many faces among many cultures. Many faces even here in our Western world. Well, the Gentiles are ignorant. They are so into that false representation of God that comes from the heart of Satan that they are blind. That goes to the territory. You're blind. You're ignorant. You're in the dark concerning how God has revealed his true self to be in Jesus Christ. And that he is a covenant God, that is, he swears upon his own being to be love to us and to be there in every situation of life, to be our salvation from that darkness and that false God. Okay, that's the Gentiles. Put that on hold. Who are you guys? Well, he was speaking to those that we might call in insiders. If the Gentiles are outsiders, these are insiders. That is, they're in the know. They have had a revelation. That is, the curtains of the mind have been drawn back. The light has shone in. God revealed himself. It was the beginning of, of the invasion into that darkness. He started with a family and the family to uh, 12 tribes, a nation of Israel. And, and that's the Old Testament. He, he began by shining his light in there. This is who I really am. And so these, the people Jesus was speaking to, they, they were in the know. They, they had the information of God in his extreme love and goodness and kindness toward us. They were certainly aware of the covenant, God's self-giving, out of which the old words of the Old Testament come, loving kindness and faithfulness. God has sworn upon his being to, to work in every hour of our day in loving kindness, keeping his covenant. He's faithful. He cannot deny himself. He's impossible for him to lie. All of those scriptures, the, these people were participants in that to some degree or another. So here's the Gentiles, the outsiders. They don't know what's going on. Their, their world is this remote God. They don't want to get anywhere near him because he's the condemning, judging, nasty God. 
Uh, and so, so it's us, it's me, I'm in the center, the universe revolves around me. And over on this side you have the insiders, those that God calls you guys, friends, you, you who know who God really is. Now, how, how do you know a Gentile from a used guys? Well, this, this might be surprising, but it's in the daily grind that it's all sorted out. I know we would love to say that if we did some spectacular work for God, if we built the biggest church in the county, if, if we go on great mission trips and all of that, that would show, no, it wouldn't, no, no. It, Jesus is pointing out there's more than one uh, marker to, to show who's who. Probably the number one is love one another as I have loved you. And by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. They'll know you by your love one for another. But I'm not talking about that today. This, this passage is telling us that it's the daily grind. There in the kitchen and the grocery store and in the office and in the factory. Just the ordinary, the the terribly ordinary of life that sorts us all out. It's how you approach that. It's how you think about it, how you talk about it that lets the world know whether you're a Gentile or an insider. Okay, let's move on. It says that all these things, that the, the stuff, what shall we eat and what shall we drink and what shall we wear and where are we going to live and all those things, the stuff. It says, after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Hmm. The word seek is, is a big word in the Bible. You'll, you'll find it scattered all through both Testaments. Seek. Probably Proverbs, should I say Proverbs chapter 2 maybe? first verses, um, where, where it speaks of this word seeking. In that case, it's seeking wisdom. But the word is defined there as seeking being as after a great treasure. It's a treasure hunt. And it's a treasure hunt for what I totally believe is there to be found. And so it becomes the, the consuming focus of life. I, I was far north in Alaska, far, 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 far north, way beyond the Yukon River. And I came upon a young couple, um, probably in their mid to late 20s, no more. And they were there in this vast, empty wilderness of snow, ice, wolves and elk and tundra and and they were hacking away at the frozen ground with pickaxe and spade. And they had actually moved a mountain. Or oh, it wasn't a vast mountain, but it was called a mountain. And it was a very large, rocky hill, very large. And, and they, they had reason to believe there was gold inside of that mountain. And so just the two of them living in the most abject conditions and every day they're hacking away at this mountain and putting it over here. And by the time I got there, they'd almost finished actually moving the mountain over here because they believed there was treasure to be found in the midst of it. Uh, at, at the time I was there, there had been no treasure but I, I realized afresh the meaning of that word seek. It means the, the, the focus of my life. It's all consuming. I think it. I drink it. I eat it. I, I sleep it. It's treasure hunt, seeking. And it says that the Gentiles seek. See, they're going after life as if life is this mountain. And, and I've, got to, I've got to find somewhere in this mountain, I'll find enough money to buy food for my family. 
And if I keep on going, there'll be enough food for clothes for my family. And if I keep, there'll be enough for us to live in, in a decent house, you see. And, and so I'm hacking away at the mountain. I'm, 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 I'm searching, I'm searching. I get up with it. I go to work with it. That's why I'm going to work. And I come home and I'm exhausted. But that's why I went to work at this thing. And if, if I've got any sort of a job involving the brain, I... I, I I can hardly concentrate at night because I'm thinking it, I'm thinking it. It even gets sometimes into your nerves and you have to take pills to keep the stress level down. And, and many times it gives you ulcers and all manner of stuff in your body. And, and, and you have restless nights and so you take sleeping pills because it's this, I've, I've, I've got to have, I've got to, and you're moving, you're trying to find enough money in the mountain. You get the picture? After all these things the Gentiles seek, and the seeking, as I've probably said already, it's attended by fretting. You know that word, fretting? It's another good word for anxiety. It's, it's the fear of lack. You see, if, if I don't do this, if, if I don't claw at the mountain every day, if I don't try and get promoted, if I, if I don't... Uh, there, there'll be lack, there'll be lack, scarcity, poverty. And behind every fear the human race knows is the fear of death. Because you see, if, if we don't have enough food, if we don't have anywhere to live, or we have no clothes and we're naked, and we're, we'll die, you see. And of course, let, let me be blunt about it, you, you may not work, may, may be your, uh, those the vast... Uh, and your mountain is the United States government, or the Canadian government, or the British government. I can speak with authority on all three of them. That that, that, that there's a mentality that if if I approach myself to the government in such a fashion, they're going to give me enough to eat and drink and wear and live and 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 so. And I, I've worked in New York City. I've walked the streets of Chicago, and I've been up in Toronto. And and, and it's 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 a seeking the the ways I, what I can do in order to manipulate the government to give me more money more money, more money. They don't go to work. They work at not going to work. Huh. I mean, e even the stock market goes up and down depending on the national fear. Isn't that amazing? After all these things the Gentiles seek, counting it out, watching my bank account, well, what do I have? What do I have? And then, then, then watching what's happening there on Wall Street in case suddenly overnight I have nothing. Anxious. And when I look at what I have, then it only tells me what I have not. And therefore I must have more. Then I'll have security. If only I can have more. And this is not the disease of the rich. This... I, in fact, I find more anxiety over money and what I could do if I had it among the poor than among the rich. See, more things, more stuff. I, I wonder how many people tonight are eating in restaurants where they really can't afford the meal, but they want to impress their co-workers or their neighbors because it's only those who've got a lot of stuff that eat in those restaurants. I wonder how many people tonight somewhere are wearing clothes that they have not yet paid for because they want to give an impression of power, you see. If I've got stuff, if I've got things, if I live in the big house, in the good neighbor, then, then I've got power, you see. I've got security because look at my stuff to impress, to have status, to have the appearance, all these things. Makes up life, doesn't it? The appearance, anyway. The impression, anyway. And the fact is, it might not be paid for and maybe not even hope of being paid for, but why do you need all that? Is it because even when you've got all this appearance of stuff, you still feel empty on the inside? 
And that, that other phrase that I, I mentioned is one of the earliest translations of these words, take no thought. I like that. Take no thought. Because that's where the action is, isn't it? It's in our thoughts. I mean, how much of our day, you know, I've told you before, we, we spend 1,200 words a minute go through our mind. In all that mental chatter, you write 1,200 words a minute, and 1,100 of those words are words, uh, they're negative, they're put-downs, they're, they're anxious thoughts, they're, they're thoughts of our impending doom and failure. Amazing. It's in our thoughts. Racing thoughts, racing, racing. No wonder they call it the rat race. It starts here in our head, the rat race, the chatter that's going on in our brain. And it's thoughts of, do I have enough? Do I have enough? Do I? Some of that's subconscious. It's only when we stop long enough to think on what we're thinking, we realize thoughts, the bubble to the surface that are thoughts of comparison. Comparison of myself and what I have with him or with her. And that leads to feeling shame that I don't have, I don't have what he, she has. And then that graduates to envy and jealousy. I want what they've got. I want it. That just adds to my stress and sleeplessness. And and then I, I look at those that don't have as much as me and I gloat and I'm despising and I, I almost say, I thank you, I'm God as not as other men. We're afraid of others, afraid of others who have more than us, afraid of others who might catch up with us and overtake us. And because all this comes from Satan's darkness, it can lead to destroying others with words, destroying others with lies just to get ahead and get more. But there's a terrible thing. We, we empower we give energy and attract to ourselves that which we focus on, that which we fear. And of course, what we're just now talking about, and I'm about to quit, it's okay, um, but it's the fear of not having enough. The fear of not now having enough. Do you realize that's a terrible energy? It's attracting not enough. It's attracting poverty. It's a great black hole sucking, sucking me into it. And it comes out in complaining, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. All oh, the prices today, everything. On and on and on we go. I'm not enough, not enough, not enough. Too much, too much, too much. The, the grocery store becomes a terrorist zone. It's economic terrorism where from behind all the little price tags there, there's the machine gun to zoom in on us with fears. Okay, that's enough of those guys. What about you guys? You. You're different. You are in the world but not of it. Now, come on, let's get real. I'm not just quoting a religious book. These are the words of God that describe you and I believers in the world, in, in the great system of this darkness, in the system that arises out of a totally distorted view of God. We're in it. It's all around us. Come screaming at us through the media. Conversation at the water fountain. We're in the world. Ah, but not of it. I do not find my birth roots there. I am of another dimension. I am of another father. I'm a child of God in the midst of the Gentiles. In the world, but not of it. In fact, in the midst of the world, we're a sign and a wonder. Which, if you remember, is what Isaiah and his children were in Isaiah chapter 8. In the midst of the fears of this world, they were to be a sign and a wonder. Anxious for nothing. 
Oh, come on. I, I could just say that phrase for the next half an hour and let it sink into me and into you. Anxious for nothing. Take no thought. Waste no mental energy on these things. Turn over and go to sleep instead of on the merry-go-round of despair and fear. The result of anxious for nothing in Philippians chapter 4, it says the result of that is the peace of God. The peace that exists in the Holy Trinity. The peace that knows no overwhelming, that knows no anxiety. The peace of God, which passes, surpasses, goes beyond all human comprehension, all ability of the human to understand. It shall keep, keep, guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Of course, to see this chap who is anxious for nothing and walking in the peace of God, the Gentiles look at that fellow and say, irresponsible. Because, you see, for the Gentiles, fear, worry, anxiety is part of being human. Of course, that's not so. But that's where most of the world is. They, they can't imagine a life where that is not present. So, therefore, a person who is not controlled by fear and anxiety is irresponsible. Childish. Childish. While at the same time, at a very deep level within them, they envy the joy and the peace that they behold, for we are signs and wonders. By the way, when I say this, anxious for nothing, take no thought, and so on, uh, th these people, you and I believers, we go to work. You bet we do. In fact, the Bible has so much to say about our going to work. As part of our being made in the image of God, even if you had a billion dollars, I trust you would still go to work and celebrate that you're made in the image of God. If you don't go to work, you, you, well, you wither into some sort of withered prune. Um, you're less than human if you refuse to work. But we work, we go to work, and we work... And we work in a fashion that is totally other than the world. Because we work in office and factory without the burden of anxiety and fear. Without the burden, oh, what a burden, that I've got to impress. And I've got to be part of this whole insanity of comparing one with another. I'm free from the burden of hoarding through fear. We're in the world not of it. We live and we work from the heart that sees certain things. And that heart informs our mind so that our mind stops its terrified chatter. Well, what is it that the heart knows? Jesus tells us here. He said, first of all, Abba, that is, Father, we translate. But as I've told you before, it means really Daddy, Papa. It, it, it possibly has just a, an overlay of respect to it that Daddy might not have. And also it's a word that was used on into adult life. So it was the first word of a child saying, Dada, Dada, Abba, Abba. But also, as a mature person, you would address your father as Abba with respect. God is your father. Whoa, that's a revelation through the mouth of Jesus. Did you notice that's not in the Old Testament? That came with Jesus. He revealed. Abba. And he said, Abba knows all the things that you have need of. He knows. 
Okay, that's that's you, that's part of your heart knowledge. And then he says, we believers, the you guys, we we have a primacy to seeking the real kingdom, the real dimension of life, the kingdom of God. That's our number one seeking, number one seeking, and his righteousness. And he said, then all these things will be added to you. They'll just flow in behind you. They won't come through your agitation. They won't come through your anxious worrying. Sink deeply into Abba knows and sink deeply into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And the things will be added to you. Look at that for a moment. Abba knows. Abba. I say it again, that wasn't in the Old Testament. Uh, mind you, the, the revelation of God in the Old Testament is fantastic. The God of the Old Testament will make us dance for joy at who he is. But the crowning revelation of who God is, is Father, Abba. That we look at this God, creator of heaven and earth, and say, Daddy. Um, we, we see God through the heart the mind, the eyes, and the very person of Jesus. Jesus, he is the Son, God the Son, who has assumed to himself our humanity. And now in that humanity, God the Son looks at God the Father and invites us to look through his eyes Understand with our mind, his mind, that God is Abba. That means God is, is love, limitless love. He begets us. He births us and he births us to care for us and nurture us and nourish us and care in providing and protecting Abba, Abba. Or as John 1.18 says, no man has seen God at any time, but the only begotten God who is in the bosom or the embrace of the Father, that's Jesus, the only begotten God, Jesus, who is in the embrace of the Father, he has explained him. Jesus came into the world of darkness to explain to us, no, that twisted, distorted, condemning judge is not God. He's not. He's the false God. This is God. Look at me and you've seen what God is like. God is Father. He's Abba. Abba. And of course, the moment I say Abba, that, that not only is a response to the revelation, the telling us by God who God is. But also, it, it suddenly identified me. Because if I say, Abba, then I'm saying of myself, I'm a child of Abba. I mean, a kid from five blocks over doesn't wander into your house and call you daddy. No, you're, it's because you're in the family. It's because you're a child of the family. And so when I say, Father, Abba, I am also not only defining the wonder of God, I'm declaring the wonder of myself, that I'm his child, and also that I qualify then for this Father who gives good gifts to his children. Now there's a secret of freedom from anxiety. When you feel anxiety coming on like cockroaches marching across your basement, be still. Look into the heart of God and say, Daddy, Abba, and I'm your child. I'm embraced in your love. Let, let's get it straight. Let's, our mind is about to go off into cockroach chatter, but 
I, I bring it back, Abba. And then he says, Abba knows that you have need of these things. And there's more than one word in the Bible for know. We really don't have it in English, but in the Greek of the New Testament we have it. And this word would be used more to express a complete knowledge. You know what I mean? A full seeing. A total comprehension. An awareness of every detail, all the parts of what I'm looking at. And you know, we don't see that. We, we, we actually see very little of what's going on in life. Um, to be able to have such a full understanding of life, I've got to know all things and all persons and all relationships and, and so on. Well, he does. And so I'm just looking at this little tiny piece of life and, and uh, I'm interpreting that little piece of life just that within itself. And Father knows. He knows it all. But now hear me very carefully. Father knows, but the knowing of the Father is different to that of Gentiles. But watch me carefully here now. He sees our life in all its parts as it is. There's no denial with God. He, he sees it. But, this is it, he knows it for what it really is. See, we look at it and we say, I, I have a need. We define that piece of life as a need. I don't have enough. God knows it for what it really is. What is it then, really? It's an opportunity for him to reveal in a fresh and living way his goodness and his love as he fills that situation. So, to know that Father knows is actually to look at the situation through different eyes. It's not only that Daddy knows, but I'm now clued in to how Daddy knows. And he knows this is not what it looks like. Here's an opportunity for you to discover the goodness and the love and the wisdom of your Daddy as you've never discovered it before. You look at the cup and say, it's empty, it's empty, it's empty. Daddy looks at it and said, you should see what I'm about to fill it with. I've been looking for a cup just like that so I could fill it with my goodness. You see what I mean? What we call need, he knows it as a door. A door to knowing him as we've never known him before, and therefore uh, the, the preliminary to a miracle, to a wonder of his provision. Okay, seek first the kingdom of God. First, first, first. So, see, we, we tend to seek first the necessities of life. No. In fact, he said seek first means we'll get to the necessities of life. I want to keep emphasizing that. He's not saying that you just say, well, it doesn't matter, I won't go to work then. No, 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 no. We, we, yeah, we'll get to the necessities of life in the daily grind. But first, see, that's not your priority. The priority is seek first the kingdom of God. And the food and the clothing, the housing, the job all arise from that as second. They're added to it. What is the kingdom of God? We talked about that before too. The kingdom of God is not a geography that has borders. You, you don't measure the kingdom of God in terms of miles. The kingdom of God is the presence of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. 
the presence. The presence, then, of limitless love. It's the presence. Do you know what I mean? The awareness that this place in which I now sit, I am hidden inside the love of God. I'm indeed an insider. I I have come through Jesus Christ by the working of the Holy Spirit. I have come to know that I live and move in the love of God. And therefore, I am now resting in the love of God by saying yes and amen to Jesus as the true revelation of who God is. You see... The kingdom of God, it's, the, it's not just sort of a cloud of niceness. This love of which I speak is intentional love. It's relentless love. It's love with unbounded energy. Love that will fulfill. Love that has and will achieve its end and goal in you, and it all comes to its finale in Jesus and is actually communicated into our little lives on a moment-by-moment basis through the Holy Spirit. For the kingdom of God, says Romans 14, is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And now before you think that means having some sort of celestial prayer meeting, come, come, come back. The, this kingdom broke into our world at the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Okay. So with the resurrection here, we're going to have just a glimpse of what it looks like. So Jesus... Jesus still human, but there's another hour. Uh, but don't think that Jesus sort of shucked off his human body and his humanity and now he's free. That's what your New Ages and Eastern twisted religions will tell you, that, that life is getting rid of this body and being free. No, no, no. Get used to your body. When Jesus rose from the dead, the body was transformed to be a perfect vehicle of spirit. And so he's, he's still human. When he sat down, he left an imprint in the cushion, you say. Um, still there. Uh, but it, it's how? You know, have you ever thought about this? He, he is the first genuine human to rise out from death, never to die again, because in this person, death died. So, I mean, what, what, what's it going to look like? What, what's this kingdom going to be? The very first thing, she, Mary mistook him for the gardener. I mean, I don't know what that does to you. It leaves me kind of <laughs> mistaken for the gardener. I mean, it, it's, it's happened in the last couple of hours. That which from the Garden of Eden all through the Old Testament, they've been waiting for this. Satan has been stripped of authority. Death has died and is now under the Captivity of Jesus. He, he's the new king of this incredible kingdom present in the earth and yet of heaven. What's it going to look like? And, and they mistake him for the gardener. You know, I would have thought the whole place would be flaming with glory and sparkling and his eyes would shoot out light and They mistook him for the gardener. If he isn't saying that the kingdom of God, this almighty presence of all-powerful love, is so ordinary, 
You mistook it for the gardener, you know. You you were in the garden picking vegetables and thought, I've got to go and do something spiritual. Oh, oh please understand it. You're right in the middle, right in the middle of the kingdom of God picking vegetables. You're right in the middle of this kingdom of God in the grocery store. And, and then... Um, he, he joins him on the road to Emmaus, just looks like another traveler. And, and what do they do? Uh, they, they say, come and eat a meal. And, and he sits at the table and it says that he, he was known to them as this risen Lord as he reached out and broke the bread at the table. Um, do, do you understand what I'm saying? Sitting down for supper, you're smack in the middle of the kingdom of God. And then, just uh, an hour or two later, Jesus is there with them in Jerusalem now. And, and no one knows how he got there, but his presence filled the place and he stood there. And, and they're all agog and wonder. And you remember, they thought they'd seen a ghost. And he says, don't be daft. He said, come and handle me, touch me. He said, I'm flesh and bone. I, I'm still human in fact. Okay. Now you're going to hear the first words of this new human being and the new kingdom. What will his first words be? He says, do you have something to eat? <laughs> Come on. He, he was sitting down at a meal in Emmaus a couple of hours ago. Now he standing at the first words. I, I mean, I, I would expect what, I mean, fall down, worship, sing hallelujah or something, but do you have something to eat? And, and he sat down and he ate the bread and fish that had been brought from the kitchen where somebody had prepared it. And these are the leftovers. And It's the kingdom of God. Are you getting the point? And then up in the Galilee, when they're fishing all night and catch nothing, and there's a person on the shore who shouts out, Hey, hey boys, have you caught anything? Could have been any buyer. The buyers for the marketplace were on the shore every morning to do this, you know, buy the, the catch. And, and no, they caught nothing. And, and it's John who suddenly realizes that that wasn't a buyer, that was Jesus. And you remember he tells them where to put their nets. And they put the nets over the side and they catch enough fish. It's breaking the net. It's... And you stopped there, didn't you? But what did they do with those fish? Ever thought of that? Oh, they sold them. Of course, they were fishermen. They sold that catch. It was the biggest catch and they sold it on the market. They made a bunch of money. That's how the kingdom of God is. It turns up suddenly like that. But then when they got to shore, it says that he'd prepared breakfast. Come on. The kingdom of God to do with supper, to do with expanding your fishing business, to do with eggs over easy on a log fire probably with some fish thrown in do you get it the kingdom of god exists in the daily grind the kingdom of god is the presence of god focused in the risen jesus through the holy spirit right smack in the middle of your breakfast and your dinner and your business it's the kingdom of God. In fact, uh, I'd throw this in, the Eucharist, the uh, breaking of bread, the Holy Supper, whatever you call it, but the Eucharist, have you ever thought of this? The Eucharist is the meal of all meals and the Eucharist sanctifies or separates unto or guarantees the presence of Jesus at all meals. That one meal, which is the declaration of the kingdom of God having come and among us, now takes every meal and all that goes to make the meal and all that goes to buy the meal 
and sanctifies it and blesses it and the presence of God is in it. Seek first. Seek first this kingdom. Seek first the fact that he's Abba and you're his child. Seek first to know how he sees this and not how you're seeing it may be. And seek like, seek like a treasure in what appears to be a, a mountain of rock in front of you. He's buried in there waiting for you. Could I put it like this? He's hiding in there. He's not hiding from you. He's hiding for you. That's why, why, why is it that all gold, silver, treasures, they're buried in the earth and in the rock? Why? Because God's into that. He, he, he hid it there for you, not from you. He hid it there so you, you, you would celebrate your image of God bearing to, to find it. Well, in all of life, the presence of God is there. Focus on that reality and, and you'll find him there. He'll discover himself to you. You, you see, that, that's how it works. And when we've got the, now we can go to work. We go to our work, we go to our office, our factory, whatever. We, we work in our living room, we work in the kitchen, we work in the school. But we're working from this reality. We've got that dance in our eyes that says, Abba knows, Abba knows. And we're excited because in, in all of this life we're going to discover fresh revelations of the kingdom of God. To know that we're not alone. We're not alone. We're never alone. We're never alone. We're in the family of the Holy Trinity. And he has sworn upon his own being, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. We belong. And we, as, as, we're, we're, we're children. You get it? You say, Father, Abba, that makes us sons and daughters and if we're sons and daughters it says we are heirs of God but not only so we're joint heirs with Jesus who is the first the only son and we are sons and daughters by grace but we share the inheritance with him we share the blessing we share the grace we share the favor like Psalm 23 says, we lack nothing. Oh, we say, he that gave us his only begotten son, shall he not with him freely give us all things? Give us also not just stuff, but give us creative wisdom in which to impart the very wisdom of God into the flow of human life to teach us true prosperity, which begins with saying Abba knows and begins with saying the kingdom of God is here and now. That's real success. And we live then as a sign and a wonder in the daily ordinary to the astonishment of our neighbors. Not that we go around with a sign saying I am a sign and a wonder. Nor do we go up to our neighbor and say, do you see that I'm a sign? No, please drop. That's all such religious stuff. No, you just get on with life. The less you think about all those other things, the better. Don't think, how, how am I affecting this place? Am I, am I affecting this place for God? Oh, forget it. That's not your business. That's the Holy Spirit's business. Get on and do a jolly good job for your employer or your employees and let them see the glory of God and surprise you because you hadn't noticed it at that point. And by the way, I'm done, but just quickly, he said, sufficient unto the day are its troubles. That is, the grace to handle the day will be given on the day. You can't get enough grace on Monday to last till Friday. You get it every day. Sufficient to the day is its troubles and the grace that goes with it. Because the Gentiles are always thinking about tomorrow. That's where there's not enough. It's always in tomorrow, you see. Not enough. But if I work hard enough, there'll be enough. As long as this, 
And it's all tomorrow, tomorrow. That's where all, that tomorrow is the, the womb of anxiety. And, and it's ghostly, ghastly creatures come out of that womb to invade today. No, you don't go there. You live in this moment, in today, in the kingdom of God, saying, Abba knows. And of course, that will include doing today what must be done today to prepare us for tomorrow. But it's not living in tomorrow. It's not anxious over tomorrow. It's bathing in today. Well, there it is. You're a sign and a wonder. You're an astonishment. That's who you are. But it shows up, you see. That's where I started, didn't I? It's, in the, it's the daily grind that separates the Gentiles from the insiders. So may this word bring you to see what life is truly all about. And I trust we'll see you at the retreat November the 22nd, I believe it's the 22nd, is the last day that you can register with the hotel for our discount prices. And it would be so wonderful to see you there. So register with us first and then with the hotel and we will we'll love to see you. And together, say Abba, and together dance in the kingdom of God in our hearts. So now the blessing of God, God almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be in and with you all and grant to you this night, this day, this week, the peace of God that passes all human comprehension, keeping your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So I now bless you, and that is the way it is. Amen.